Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. God gave me a Ferrari because I am a Ferrari. You're a Ferrari too. When God made you, he had all the options put on. You are fully loaded and totally equipped. So do this with me. Where did we ever come up with the style of preaching we have today? There is some entertaining preaching, but not convicting preaching, and the legacy has been tragic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is a little bigger than Barbie. This is Wretched Radio. We be jamming to dance the night from one Dua Lipa on the Barbie soundtrack. It's raked in a couple hundred million dollars lickety split. It's the number one movie in America, and there is no small amount of conversation about the contents of this movie. Many people saying it's indicative of the current culture wars. I would like to echo an article that was written in The Spectator that this is a little bit bigger than culture wars. The title is, This is Bigger Than a Culture War, Blame Michael Foucault. He really is the fellow who puts steroids into the idea that the inner man should define what is best for self and live externally the way that he or she is feeling internally. That was even back when we had just two pronouns. I don't even think Foucault would have anticipated that business. Nevertheless, postmodernism, it is the philosophical worldview that puts morality on the shelf and it tells you you got to make your own kind of music sing your own special song oh wait that's in the barbie movie too and the barbie movie appears 50 years 60 years after its creation to be representative of the current thinking in the cultural milieu about the role of men and women, toxic masculinity, gender issues, sexuality issues. After all, come on, Ken, we all kind of knew. And he had himself a buddy who, in the movie I hear, wears a rainbow shirt as they drive by a movie theater playing The Wizard of Oz. I... I don't think that they were dropping any eggs into this movie for any reason. The question, though, that confronts Christians is, what is going on here? Right now, people are debating whether or not Barbie is woke. Is it a feminist anthem? There are some people who are saying, uh, yeah, it absolutely is. Let me share it from you. From the opening scenes of little girls bashing their baby dolls on rocks. Well, that's charming. In a symbolic rejection of motherhood to the final scene where Barbie is so empowered and self-actualized, she visits um, a doctor for ladies for the first time. The film criticizes women's impulses toward motherhood, love, and femininity, and leaves the lead character standing alone in the real world with no friends, no husband, no children, only the medical industrial complex by her side. That's actually... Not fantastic. That's pretty common these days. The world says, go ahead and be frisky with anyone you want. No commitment. You are the captainess of your own sexual destiny. And a lot of women who long to be mothers are now in their 30s asking, what what happened here? Well, Barbie tries to provide the answer. And it's found in one word, the patriarchy. Because Ken goes on a mission to try to figure out his identity. And he concludes it's all about being a male, which is why, you know, they had Sam Storm, not Sam Storms. <laughs> that's somebody totally different, please. That's somebody totally different. Sam Smith. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just read a quote by Sam Storms. He's, he's not a theologian we typically quote here. It was about how heaven... Everything in heaven is going to flow down from God. So everything we joy, enjoy has its meaning and purpose in God. And we will be utilizing the stuff, every good and perfect gift, rightly, because we're going to be remembering, wow, if we think that this fill in the blank is amazing, what about the one who gives us this incredible gift? Sam Smith, on the other hand, sang a song that I wouldn't play for you. Jimmy, we... We just potted that thing up, and it's yeah. like, nah, not not going to do that. Uh-uh. What is a Christian to conclude is happening? Uh, 
It sounds like this is a culture war. The movie goes on and on. It's trying to elevate women, diminish men, according to some. On the other hand, now on the other hand, headline from CNN, that tells you everything. Barbie breaks box office records while crushing right-wing outrage. You want to get more views on your YouTube video? Use the word crush. It works almost every single time. This is this is a, an opinion piece that's basically telling anybody who's conservative, you lose, we won. You, you thought it was all woke. You thought it was all feminist. Well, you tried to boycott it like Budweiser and it didn't work because it's a blockbuster. By the way, here's somebody else we don't normally quote. Not that Sam Storms and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are usually uttered in the same sentence. She explained in a Friday post, love how Republican congressmen, did she call them men? Love how Republican congressmen are just now hating on Barbie because she's too woke. Like, hello, this was a doll made for little girls who was a doctor and an astronaut before women in the U.S. were even allowed to have credit cards without their husband's permission. All righty then. By the way, um, she thinks it's ridiculous that Republicans are saying that there are progressive eggs buried in the Barbie movie. She's totally opposed to that. She hates the new Jason Aldean song, though, because that has supposed buried in, into it. The article from The Spectator, I think, captures what's happening uh, in, a, in a limited way. It's not as overtly Christian as, well, you know. We're going to be. This is what this individual whose name is Michael Milton writing about what it is that we are actually witnessing these days. We are not in a culture war, he writes, nor have we been. Culture is an expression of ideals. Remember that just in case you ever become the vice president and you're asked that question, what is culture? You're going to have something at least slightly coherent. Culture is an expression of ideals. The cult that is dominant in a society bubbles up in physical manifestations, the way we talk, the way we dress, the way we act, the way that we eat. And the contention of this author, and I think it's uncontestable, that the predominant cult in Western civilization has been, of course, Christianity. Culture is symptomatic and only occasionally the first mover of ideas. We are not in a culture war. We're in an ideological struggle for the Judeo-Christian religion. And he quotes a book from Tom Holland. It's called Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World. Not language I'm all that fond of, not a fan of the word dominion or revolution. Nevertheless, that Christianity is the unit of measurement for all other ideas. Tom Holland is a Cambridge fellow, and he used to say that the West was forged on Greek and Roman political ideologies. But instead, he concluded Western civilization is attitudinally and decidedly Christian. Now, we, of course, want to avoid saying it's a Christian nation because that has so much baggage. But I think we should be on safe ground, not that there's much of that left these days. We should be on safe ground when we say that the predominant cult that has informed culture is Christianity. Tom Holland came to that conclusion. Not, not to imply that there aren't other ideas that have been floating, but he said everything else is an alternative because Christianity was so dominant. Secularism derives its meaning from the presence of Western Christianity, concludes Holland. That's what's going on. This, this, this isn't just a debate about attitudes and roles toward women, gender, and sexuality. This has everything to do with tearing down what was and what was is Christianity predominantly informing society. Now, it no longer is. And so basically, you have a shell which is being chipped away at by even movies like Barbie. 
But we do well to remember that this is indeed, oh yeah, what did the Bible say? A spiritual battle in the heavenly realms. This isn't about culture. This isn't about Hollywood. This isn't about whether the athletic team has a pride, trans, whatever, somebody throwing the baseball out. No, this this is about God. This is about whether or not he will dictate what the morals and the values are, which is why Michael Foucault is such a helpful instrument in the progressive battle against Christianity. There are no morals. There are no values. Everybody writes their own rule book. And so it is, we have regressed to the book of Judges. And if we don't like it, we can we can get agitated one more time by a talk show host who says, that's it. We're not going to take it. We're twisted sister. We got to do it. We're going to stand up. And then you don't know exactly how to stand because you're not giving any marching orders. Well, the Bible does. Don't like Barbie. Don't like all of the other nonsense that is bubbling up in our formerly Christian-informed society? Only one way to change that. Make more Christians. This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds. 54,000 babies were saved. 69 ultrasound machines were placed. 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? It's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now. Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety, loneliness, depression, and fear come face to face with the Bible. And don't expect Dr. Gifford to just read scripture. No, he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges we all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you, and it will empower you to help others, too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's Court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, you'll be glad you listened. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, Affordable Biblical Health Sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Important dates in Christian history. 1536. John Calvin publishes The Institutes of the Christian Religion, the most substantial theological work of the Reformation. Calvin's ideas would deeply influence church and politics in Switzerland and Scotland and take root in the newly discovered North America. 
This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Forget the Dua Lipa. Let's get to some Jason Aldean. This is Wretched Radio. Try that in a small town is the name of the tune that's causing no small amount of controversy. Sung by one country artist, Jason Aldean. Jimmy, you got that? Uh, Jason Aldean. Aldean. Try that in a small town because I've I've been looking forward to this for days. What have you been looking forward to? Bring me into the hit, Jimmy. <laughs> Come uh, on, country music disc jockey boy, go! Uh, I'm coming. It's uh, it's wretched radio. It is uh, a beautiful day outside, and now one of the most talked about songs in America. It's controversial. It's not his first concert. Ah, missed it. <laughs> missed it. Oh, you have no idea how much pleasure uh, I'm having in this. I know. I know. Weren't you listening? Have you lost your chops? I, I think I have. You don't use it, you lose it. <laughs> oh, how, how I know that. All right, here you go. Because uh, we're we going to grace. Go. All right. It's a beautiful day outside here at Wretched Radio. And now, Jason Aldean. That's a cheat. You don't like it? What? It's too easy. What, what did I do? How did I, I cheat? I think I might be able to do better than that. Go ahead. Okay. Because I'm obviously suffering right now (laughs) the rest of us are too (laughs) everybody's talking about this one in our small town we like jason aldean singing try that in a small town Ah! As I, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) Jason Aldean's brand new tune. I think it exemplifies, personifies. It's a really good example of what is happening in our culture. We hear stories like this. We read about Barbie and a gazillion other articles. And you you scratch your head and you keep running to Romans 1. Okay, totally depraved. Their minds are darkened. Got it. But let's see if we can maybe try to understand the darkening of the secular mind and why there is so much outrage over this Jason Aldean song. If you haven't heard, try that in a small town. Here, here are the lyrics. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk. You got to do it that way, Jimmy. Yeah. Car- yeah. How's my southern accent? It, it's okay. It's close. Is it really? <laughs> Sucker punch somebody on a Somebody on a side. I'm sounding like Elvis. Well, he was Southern. Carjack an old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool? Well, act a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop. Spit in his face. Stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think you're tough. He's clearly criticizing the images that are emblazoned. And I mean emblazoned in all of our minds. When cities were burned down. When BLM was going bonkers and they were terrorizing entire communities, he sings, well, try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. Around here, we take care of our own. That's got to be racist because he's white. And that, oh, that's, that's the other controversy, too, that the video was filmed in front of a place where a young man in the 20s was lynched. It turns out it's a very popular filming location in Nashville. Even Hannah Montana was filmed in front of it. It seems highly unlikely they were trying to send that message 100 years later. Nevertheless, liberals see that and they just glom onto it. Hey, hey, what? That's racist. You can't sing the song and it was pulled from CMT, the rotation for the video. Now it ain't hurting when it comes to streaming or the YouTube views. But it's telling when Christian Music TV pulls a song that talks about law and order. (laughs) That's because that's what this is. You cross the line, it won't take long. For you to find out, I recommend you don't. Try that in a small town. Got a gun that my granddad gave me. Now, I can understand Top 40 saying, that's got the word gun. That, That word is prohibited on these premises. This is country music. Got a gun my granddad gave me. They say one day they're going to round up. Well, that won't fly in the city. Good luck. Wait, that might fly in the city. Good luck. Try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. Is he saying that they're willing to use weapons to defend themselves? Yeah, that's, that's what he's saying. And the left is so agitated. Perhaps no outlet is more filled with angst than the Washington Post. 
the not the bee cited all of the different articles that were written. Would you like to hear the attitude toward this song? Does that Jason Aldean song go on a playlist or a watch list? Whoa, whoa. He's a terrorist? No. Jason Aldean cashes in on the right-wing fantasy of violent retribution. Is that what they're thinking about us? The message in Try That in a Small Town is clear. The author writes, intentional or not? Well, I think that's an important detail. (laughs) The racial and violent imagery in this music video mirrors the divisiveness that has infected America. Um, I think I think in one sense, that's nonsense. And the other hand, yeah, this is a reflection of what is going on. And when you hear what these people wrote in the Washington Post about this particular video, you are absolutely you're going to shake your head. You, you're you're, ju- you're going to stroke your chin if you if you're a man and you got a beard like a man should. And you're going to ask the question, why? why? Where do they get this? And I think the answer is, it's their worldview. They have, we are not, this isn't, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a tendency to forget that yesterday actually existed. And we think, well, look at what happened today. Well, these things have been brewing and simmering for a long time. The identity war of our society, it has been being a waged effort by progressives to undermine all things that are Bible-influenced. This isn't new. And so we've had generations of indoctrination. This isn't it. Well, just imagine what the kids are going to be like. I don't have to imagine what the kids are going to be like. Yesterday's kids are now adults, and this is what they're like. Their worldview is firmly anti-Christian. And I'm not suggesting for a second that this helps us to go, oh, well, then we'll we'll just pass and never respond or call it out or speak prophetically, calling them to repentance, letting them know their minds are darkened, and it has led them down a very twisted, and by twisted, I mean perverted, not just windy, a perverted road. We must be calling people's sins what they are and then leading them to the place where they can have their sins forgiven, just like we were led. That is is something that I think we forget to remember. Their thinking is no longer Christian by any metrics. It is just, it's not, it would be as if somebody did a song and it had a cross burning in it and it had something about um, a church, stained glass windows being destroyed. You'd go, hey, um, excuse me, what are you doing? And they'd say, well, what's the problem? We just, it's, it's, just a, it's just something that we did for a video. Well, you, but that's a church. And that, that's a Christian thing. And the cross, is, it is the symbol of Christianity. You, you can't be doing that. We don't understand. And I think that's where we are. We don't understand this thinking because we don't recognize this is their credo. They affirm all of this stuff. This is in them. They are a tapestry, and it is woven with anti-God progressivism. Variety critic described the package, this video from Aldine, close to being the most cynical song ever written about the implicit moral superiority of having a limited number of neighbors. Uh, Okay, Um, maybe the guy actually thinks it's good to have a limited number of neighbors. Can't have that thought. Now, we can mock that, but this guy actually believes it. Here's another one. Aldine's performance backdrop is Maury County Courthouse, which at times appears to be on fire as images of burning American flags are projected onto it. Because people were burning American flags. It's the same building where a mob hanged 18-year-old Henry Choate, hope I said that right, from a balcony in 1927. That's horrific. But Hannah Montana used that set too. A Lifetime movie, Stepping into the Holiday, use that set. Does it matter? No. Why? Because they believe that everybody who leans to the right, aka Christian, uh, is racist, misogynist. They they just firmly believe it. Just like we believe that their minds are darkened, they firmly believe our minds are twisted and darkened. 
There's another critic. This small town full of good old boys is in his home state of Tennessee, which was scandalized in the 90s by an annual law enforcement gathering called the Good Old Boys Roundup that featured racial slurs and a simulated lynching. Wow, that's a lot of Googling going on. Good, Wasn't that the Dukes of Hazard? Just some good old boys. Well, they were probably racist too. Jason Aldean cashes in on the right-wing fantasy of violent retribution. What? Violent retribution? Isn't that what we saw a few years ago? The song juxtaposes scenes of urban violence and chaos against gentle rural imagery. How dare they? Uh-huh. There is a contrast. That's the point. The contrast, it's not rural and it's not urban. It's light and darkness. It's Christianity and everything that is godless. That is why Jason Aldean is getting hammered. This is Wretched Radio. Titles of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the Good Shepherd. A good shepherd protects, directs, provides, and cares for his sheep. Jesus laid down his life for his sheep. No one can snatch them out of his hand. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, Todd, it's Eric. Just want to let you know that I'm standing here with Pastor Bob Amigo from Higher Rock Church in Quezon City, Philippines. This is going to warm your cold, conservative heart. This is Wretched Radio. The voice you just heard is from Dr. Eric Weathers. Just returning from a trip to the Philippines, if you are a gospel partner, if you have been one who has supported our joint effort with the Master's Academy International to send 10,000 MacArthur Study Bibles to brothers and sisters in the Philippines who cannot afford them, then you're going to rejoice. You're going to also have to use your imagination because this is a video. And it's really challenging to show video on radio, nevertheless, imagine Eric Weathers standing on the platform of a large church in the Philippines. Please note, this is a big church. When Eric turns the camera around and you imagine seeing faces, there are hundreds of people sitting inside of this church. And I would like for you to experience the joy of imagining how thankful they are, how grateful they are, how excited and joy-filled they are when they were told, guess what? Some wretched Christians wanted you to have a MacArthur Study Bible. Hi, Bob. Hello, Todd. (laughs) That's easy. Well, Todd, we're really excited to be here because... Uh, well, the, the Bibles that we've been praying for have been delivered to the port in Manila, Philippines. And Hold it right there. They didn't even tell me that was happening. I'm going to send a strongly worded memo to somebody at the Masters Academy International. They printed the Bible. Now, just as an aside, and believe me, this is an aside, I'm not sure all 10,000 have been accounted for financially, which means if you would like to join what you're about to hear you can still do that. We'd be mega grateful. Wretched.org slash Bible. Wretched.org slash Bible. These are specially printed Bibles because of the covers. They had to be particular because of the humidity in the Philippines. And they just hit the port. The majority of them are there. I think TMAI got some of them because they already started distributing them. Listen to the response of the people that you have affected. They haven't been released by customs yet. They're going to be here shortly, but we have an advanced copy to hand out to some of those uh, people that you've already met. So we are here, and I want you to meet uh, Higher Rock Church here in Kaysland City. So I'm going to pan this around as Bob and I sort of dance our way around. Use your imagination. We're going to <laughs> see the church. Wow! There you have it, my friend. We look forward to seeing you again soon. 
tell me it's not good to be a member of the kingdom of God. Thank you very much. Be encouraged, gospel partners, and those of you who sent 10,000 Bibles, specifically MacArthur Study Bibles, to our brothers and sisters in the Philippines. I'm telling you, I'm looking at this church. <laughs> Jimmy, you saw this video. I did. Were you a little bit surprised at the size of it? I was. How exciting is that? It is extreme. Now, being a plea, to be clear, the Masters Academy International Churches in the Philippines, they're probably not all this big, but it's like, whoa, Right. wait a second. You mean God is working someplace else besides the United States? What's happening out there? Be encouraged. We'll share more and more of these videos. Grateful to Eric for sending these. I'm telling you, if you are, um, if you're not thinking Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, perhaps there is no better example than this, that what we do here on earth resonates in heaven what we do here has eternal implications. I mean everything. This happens to be one of those very obvious things that will last for forever. Christians who, in America, had the means said, let's send our brothers and sisters that we don't know in the Philippines a Bible. And you did. And then a lot of effort went into getting them ordered, printed, shipped, and now distributed so that people can read the Word of God and read the footnotes. And by the way, as, as you will hear later this week, pastors are also going to be receiving these Bibles because they are, they are bilingual or multilingual. They do speak English. They have zero commentaries, nada, zero, zip. And you're providing them. How cool that we get to participate in eternal work. Wretched.org slash Bible if you'd like to... Help us get to the finish line on this project. But we turn our attention now to a trend that I hope is not happening in the Philippines, but it certainly is in the West. I think it is safe to say we don't need George Barna or George Gallup to do a survey because you've probably heard the tales of woe from parents who miss their kids because they loved on them for 18, 20 years, 22 years, and now they don't hear hide nor hair from them. Dennis Prager, I think, is the first one to have observed this perhaps years ago. I think I was still at the Cinderblock bunker in the middle of a field in Egan, Minnesota at KKMS when Dennis Prager, I don't know if he was talking about this publicly, but I think when I spent a little time with him, he was talking about how kids... Well, they didn't use this term back then. Ghost their parents. They just, they disconnect totally from their good and godly Christian parents. And now he's written an article that I think is worthy of our attention to try to answer the question, what's going on? Why are kids divorcing their parents? It's titled A Pandemic of Cruelty, and so it is. The pandemic consists of adult children who've decided never again to speak to one or both of their parents. The vast majority of these kids were never sexually or physically abused. In fact, nearly all were loved by their parents. What kind of a trend is this? What's happening here? And the answer is, the world is against you, mom and dad. I heard a story now, this, I grant you, secondhand, I have no reason to doubt it's true. A woman was telling me that she knew of two Christian kids who went to, uh, you know what, I don't remember the name of the university. I think I remember the name of the university, but it's irrelevant. It's a public university. And at the class that, this, that this, these two Christian kids were in, they were asked to stand up if they're Christians, who were then informed, and by the way, they were the only two to stand up, who were then informed your parents had no right to download their faith into you. What? Really? Do you have that right with your kids? What right do you have with us? Honestly. Oh, and that isn't just in a classroom at a secular university. It's everywhere. Public schools. It's online. It's music. And by the way, I got to tell you something about music. Freel, we didn't ask. Permit me to tell you anyway. Went out to dinner 
with a couple that we've known for forever, pretty much for forever. And we were in a little town called Woodstock. It is a groovy happening downtown. This is one of the, somebody had some vision there. They kept the old buildings and they've converted them. So it's like these cutesy schmootsy. That's their actual name. Cutesy schmootsy shops and groove. There was, there was something called Reformation Brewery. Uh-huh. So I think there's those folks who love to hoist a beer while studying the Bible would love going to the Reformation Brewery as a destination location. And there were restaurants and shops But there was also a restaurant slash bar and they had the rooftop thing going on. I cannot do an impersonation of it. I walked by it and I thought I wanted to get into a fight. It is angry sounding. I don't know what they were saying. I mean, there's sometimes you can listen to the the rap business and I'll hear the F-bomb being dropped, the N-word being used liberally. But the tone of it, it honestly, it's like... All right, let's go, everybody. Put them up because that's what the music says. What kind of an effect does that have on the soul? It can't do anything but make one angry. And, and, and it's so dark. It's like pouring battery acid into your soul. And the place was slammed. There were, there were, honestly, there were hundreds of younger people that were there. Now, that's just one message that's getting pumped into your kids. Furthermore, the message of you be you, the autonomous self, it has been, it, that has been an effort of secularists now for centuries to go about the business of trying to persuade you that nothing matters but you and your feelings. Oh, boy. And as it had an effect, and so it is young people today who have guzzled and consumed all of those negative attitudes toward parents, they've been acting it out. And parents, loving, godly parents, certainly not perfect, are deemed toxic because they won't let the kid be their autonomous self. Why else is this happening and how you and I might avoid it? Next on Wretched Radio. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard a heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. You know, what used to be a movie is now our sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault. But we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz. And they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2. Tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear 
everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur Study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines? They typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing. $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Books of the Bible. The book of Micah contains prophecies against the kingdoms of Judah and Israel. Micah warns of God's judgment for idolatry and oppressing the poor, but he offers hope of salvation in the coming Messiah, who is a shepherd, a judge, and a ruler. Those whom God has saved are charged to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with their God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The autonomous self and pained parents. This is Wretched Radio. There is a pandemic of cruelty indeed. It's sweeping across the U.S. I hope not in the Philippines, where 10,000 MacArthur Study Bibles just arrived and are going to be distributed to our brothers and sisters. And if you'd like to help with that, you can visit wretched.org slash Bible. But it is indeed a pandemic in the West. Why are kids ghosting their parents? Dennis Prager offers his thinking, and oftentimes he can be thoughtful. Now, as a Jewish man, I don't expect him to be rightly biblical because he's off about the central figure of the entire Bible. If, of course, you haven't unhitched the Old Testament, the Bible relentlessly points toward a Messiah. The Bible is emphatic. There is a better king coming who is going to be a prophet and a priest to boot, and he will pay for the sins of his people. And if Dennis Prager can't see that, I don't expect him to nail everything else. But let's see what we can learn from this very smart observer. He's talking about these adult kids who say, not calling you back, mom and dad. In fact, they don't say that. They just don't. Why have these people decided to hurt their mother, their father, or both in one of the worst ways possible? He cites three reasons. One, the ascent of the therapeutic mentality. Prior to the explosion of psychotherapy, people were governed by shoulds. Beginning in the 60s, however, the therapeutic model replaced the moral model as the guide to one's behavior. People who lived at that time will recall the phrase, there are no shoulds. It's not you should do it. You just do it because that's what you're supposed to do. Now, you will hear Dennis's desire and belief that he can actually keep the law seeping out there. Uh, that, that we moved away from, hey, there are rules here to more of a therapeutic self. And for my money, I think he's getting warm with the observation of the therapeutic. What is the therapeutic self? Do you remember a few years ago? It's been a bit now. I think it was Al Mohler. If he didn't coin the term, I think he popularized it, that the majority of Americans believe in a moralist, uh, moralistic therapeutic deism moralistic, therapeutic deism. Yeah, there's some morals, there's God, but it's just to help me so that I can cope and get through and feel good. This trend is not new. was reading an article by one Daniel Mahoney at the American Mind called The End of Ordered Liberty. And the focus of the article was that America, as, as it was designed, cannot actually operate Quote, the American ideal of self-government is increasingly inapplicable to our culture. He's right, because this sort of liberty demands an internal compass. The founding fathers, they understood that. They realized that the strength of the nation was found in an internal compass, not in external police forces. The nation's character writes this fellow, has been transformed. And because freedom and virtue stand or fall together, um, 
without virtue, we're going to fall. And then he writes, to defend freedom today, to, thus requires not only manly resistance to the emancipatory project that erodes and destroys freedom, order, and authority at the same time, but a reconnecting of liberty and human goods, including civic and moral virtue. Well, that whole bit about a manly resistance needs to be defined a little bit better. But point taken, you can't have liberty if people don't manage themselves. But that wasn't the point of his article. He gives a little bit of a history as to why in this nation we are indeed lacking in common sense morality. What happened here? Let me introduce you, courtesy of this article from the American Mind, to a fellow named Aurel Colnai. In 1950, he wrote an essay titled, Three Writers Write, Not like scribes, but riders of the apocalypse. National so here, here's the three riders of the apocalypse: national socialism, communism, and progressive democracy. Isn't that interesting? He identified that long before Bernie Sanders. Well, maybe just right as Bernie Sanders was in diapers. Nevertheless, he located the underlying complicity of these three ideologies in a shared commitment to. Ready for this? Emancipated man. If you've read Carl Truman's book, Strange New World, you know precisely what is being described here. You've got to be you. You have got to be freed from shackles, restraints, most particularly religion, specifically Christianity. Now, this article, again, it's a different direction. It's focusing on why this country is in such big trouble because democracy demands morality. Liberty demands that people think rightly. We're, we're in big trouble. Nevertheless, he's identifying how this thinking was adopted, and he traces it to the emancipated man, the human being, construed as free from all natural and supernatural limits and guidance. That's what that's that is the zeitgeist now that has been simmering for decades. But as the first two totalitarian movements and regimes revealed, autonomous man turns out to be more of a devil than a god. And all the efforts of human self deification inevitably lead to self enslavement and to moral insanity and social chaos. So this emancipation, this desire for personal liberation means that anybody who tries to hold you down, who tries to break your stride, you're, you're just going to jettison them because it's all about you. Mom and dad, I'm afraid you've been the victim of that. You tried to be godly. You tried to love your kids. You tried to train up your kids in the way that they should go. And their brain was wired to say, toxic, leave me alone. Let me be. Get off of my back. Don't call me. Don't even text me. I gotta be me. That's why so many parents are being ghosted. Prager continues. I'll use a family story to illustrate the point. Despite the fact that this mother was a very difficult woman, my father called her every night. And every night she would yell at him. I heard the yelling because instead of holding it to his ear, my father would place the phone on the kitchen table while she ranted. Had my father been born a generation later and gone to a therapist where he discussed his mother, if he said how much he dreaded calling his mother, the therapist would likely have led my father to believe there was no reason he should talk to her. And a culture that declared there are no shoulds would have concurred. The therapist would have declared my grandfather's, or my grandmother rather, toxic. And given my father the green light to avoid calling her. But my father lived in the age of shoulds. And he was a religious Jew who had been taught the Ten Commandments since childhood. The fifth commandment, of course, honor your father and mother. Moreover, he believed, as did most, the Ten Commandments were given by God. Gone, gone, gone. And you are feeling it, mom and dad. In our post 
biblical age, there are no commandments. Dennis Prager loves the Ten Commandments, which is another reason why listening to moral advice, parenting advice, especially when the Bible is brought into it from Dennis, is probably demanding a more Christian filter. We don't want kids to be moralists because as soon as they can get away with it, they will. They need a heart transplant, a difference between Christianity and Dennis Prager theology. They need new desires. A second reason for the ignore parents pandemic is parental alienation. One parent fighting with the other, getting a divorce, and the one says terrible things about the other parent, and therefore they're alienated, so they get ghosted. I thought the third reason that Dennis Prager cites is very interesting to consider. What you do with this, it's up to you. This isn't a political commentary. I'm just telling you, he says that it's an ideological divorce. Probably hundreds of thousands of parents who voted for Donald Trump who have a child who will not speak to them because of that vote, or because the parent holds some conservative values such as marriage, the LGBTQ stuff, it could be the life issue. It's political slash ideological. The world got them. Progressivism, liberty, being able to do whatever anybody wants to. Hey, as long as they don't hurt me, whatever. Doris Day theology, as long as it doesn't bother me, case sirrah. And if you tried to uphold solid biblical values, even in the realm of politics, <sighs> mom and dad, that might be why your children divorced you. And I'm sorry for that. To the parents who still have kids in their homes and don't want to be divorced, don't impose the Ten Commandments. Dennis is wrong. You need the supernatural intervention of God. You need a heart transplant that only comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ and regeneration. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.